In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the lay of the Holy Spirit, granted by the same Spirit may be truly wise, never rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Lady Fatima, pray for St. Joseph. St. Anthony of Padua, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome you once again to our youth program. And those who are new here, I'd like to just go through what is our, our basic method we're trying to follow these four weeks in June. Uh, the first is, if you could come to the Mass before, that would be good, but that's not obligatory. Some of you I, I actually saw in Mass. That would be a great, a great start. If not, we start at 7 o'clock with the Holy Rosary, where we start with the Blessed Mother. And then we're going to be giving uh, a relatively short presentation on the topic. And then today it's going to be different than last week in the sense that after the presentation I give, we're going to be dividing into groups. And for about 15 or 20 minutes, uh, we're going to be sharing on what we learned last week in the presentation as well as in the books that we've given out. So right now I have to apologize uh, to many of you because... uh, we, we didn't have enough books uh, last week, so I apologize. And um, I apologize that we were hoping that they would arrive today, but they haven't arrived as of yet. So I ask for your forgiveness, and we'll try to get these books as soon as possible. Uh, it's a good sign because the books are going like pancakes. They're just flying off the shelf. It's a good sign, but it's, uh, it's not good because you don't have one yet, some of you. But... Uh, Still, I have a remedy for that in your sharing group. So I'll, I'll, I'll give a remedy for that. And we hope within a relatively short time you, you'll be have, a, you have your own copy. You could, you could order your own copy if you just go into Sophia Press or Amazon. I mean, you, you know how to do that. You could probably get your own copy, but uh, it would have been nice if we were able to give you the copy here. So um, I apologize for that. So what we're going to do today is, given that we have a lot of newcomers, and uh, not to say the others are oldcomers, but uh, newcomers, I'd like to just go through briefly what we had, what we went through last week, because the whole program is basically related to what we went through last week. Last week we went through, you remember, the vision that this great saint had. Okay, this is St. John Bosco, who was, my humble opinion now, but the, the greatest man in the 19th century, I would say in the world. I mean, if 
you read John Bosco and what he did, he'll blow you out of the water, what he did. And um, basically, he's a patron of young people. A patron of young people because he lived in the 19th century. I don't know how much you study of history today, but it was in the time of what is called the Industrial Revolution. And the Industrial Revolution was... The society was moving from an agrarian society, which means farmers, and they're moving into the orbe, which would be in the cities. So the families were being displaced, displaced, and therefore the teenagers, because their mom and dad were working, they were just wandering the streets of Turin. And obviously they got into trouble. So God raised up John Bosco to help many of these teenagers so as not to fall into vice. And one of the things that he had was John Bosco was a great writer. He built some of the most beautiful churches in, in Europe. He was, uh, he was a visionary. And he had these dreams. And you actually buy a book on the, on the 33 dreams of John Bosco. This would, be, this would be the most famous of all the dreams. Um, so this, this dream is, sets the groundwork for what we're going to be doing these four weeks. Okay, you see that the huge ship is in the midst of this storm at sea. The ship is surrounded by enemy boats. The enemy boats are, are shooting at the ship with the purpose of sinking the ship. In the ship you can see that there is a man dressed in white, others are dressed in red, and the man dressed in white is, uh, is the Pope. Those following would be the cardinals and the bishops. Now, here John Bosco is looking at this, and he sees the, the ship really in danger. And in between... Rather, on the right and the left of the ship can be seen these two huge pillars that are ascending. One is a little bit higher than the other. The higher one has a, you can see a circle there, and what that is, that's the host. That's the host, which is what we lift up in mass, which would be, of course, the body, the blood, the soul, the divinity of Jesus Christ. Then, you can see there's a beautiful woman on the pillar that's below. She's dressed in, in white with a, a blue sash with her hands folded. So the host is Holy Communion and the woman dressed in white with a blue sash is Mary. Now Mary has many titles. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Lourdes, many, many titles. But her title is Our Lady Help of Christians. That's the title that John Bosco gave to her. So he understood in this dream that the captain, the man dressed in white, had to direct the ship in between the two columns. And that was done. And to anchor it, 
to anchor the ship to those two pillars. So there you have it. Okay, let's give the interpretation. The sea and the and the tempest is the world in which we live in. We're living and the many dangers we have the many dangers we have in our spiritual life to make it to heaven. And there are many. And last week I spoke about the three basic dangers we have are the devil, and the devil exists, and the flesh, which means our body does not want to obey the spirit many times, and the world. And the world, in this sense, the world wants to convince us that we can find happiness just in following what the world offers to us. Those are the, the basic enemies. And that's what the, this tempestuous sea is symbolic of. The dangers that we have to confront. And one is the devil. And I think I said last week that um, uh, all of you have a guardian angel, but you all have a devil too. And we as priests, we have more than one, I'll tell you. Okay, You've got a guardian angel, you've got a devil. Now, the devil is always going to be tempting you. But when is the devil going to tempt you most? When you find yourself in a state of desolation. Desolation means when you find yourself sad or depressed, then the devil is going to look for your kryptonite. You probably remember watching some Superman, maybe in your life, the kryptonite means what is your basic weak point? Okay, it could be lust, it could be gluttony, it could be greed, it can be laziness, it can be jealousy, it can be impatience, it can be pride. Those are called the seven capital sins. And that's related to the flesh. The devil takes advantage of our flesh to tempt us, especially when we're in the state of desolation. And the world in which we live wants to convince us that in this world, in this world in which we live, this is where we're going to find our happiness. By eating and drinking and living it up. So that's what the storm is symbolic of. Okay, now, the ship, known also as the bark of Peter. Okay, the, the ship is symbolic of the church, the Catholic Church. And I cannot insist enough on this. Okay, you're Catholics. You're teenagers. Okay. Stay in the church. Okay? Stay in the church. Because most of you are not in college yet. You go to college you graduate from high school, you're going to have many more temptations than when you're at home. One temptation will be, okay, just leave the church and find your happiness in another place. So ju just stay in the church. Okay, the, the church, the church has always had problems. Now the church is going through a tough time. But the church has always had problems. If you go back 2,000 years ago, the church had 12 bishops. One of the first bishops hanged himself. 
Okay, whether you like it or not, it happened. He hanged himself and his guts came out. His name was Judas Iscariot. So from the very beginning, the churches had problems. Okay, the churches have problems. So just stay in the church. And one of the purpose of this course is to help us to grow in holiness. The best thing you can do is to try to become a saint. Okay, to try to become a saint. So you are the you are the living stones of the church, as Saint Peter says. But stay in the church. The Ark of Noah. You know what happened in the time of Noah. There was a storm, right? It descended upon the whole world. Forty days and forty nights. Who was the one who were the ones that were saved were those who were in the ark. It was Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives and the animals. Those were the ones that were saved. So we're living in a time of a great storm. If you can stay in the ark of Noah, we call the church, then you're going to make it. You're going to make it. So stay in the church. And there's going to be a lot of people that say, you know, get out of the church, do whatever you want. There are scandals. There's a lot of bad things that are in the church. It's true. Whatever you say about the church is going to be true. We got the best of the best and we got the worst of the worst. Let me mention six Catholics. Six Catholics. You've heard of John Paul II, any of you? You ever hear of, uh, you ever hear of uh, Mother Teresa, any of you? Yes. Okay. Most of you have also heard of, you've heard of John Bosco, right? Three super saints. Super saints. I'm going I'm to mention three other Catholics. Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, and Fidel Castro. Three devils. Okay? They were Catholics. <laughs> so, we got the best and the best, and we got the worst of the worst, and you're called to be among the best of the best. So, stay in the church. Stay in the church. But you don't want to simply stay in the church like a, like a bench warmer. When I was your age, I played a lot of sports. A lot of sports. And I played really good baseball. I played baseball on the university level. So I know sports probably better than most of you. I never liked being a bench warmer. When a caliente banca, they say in Spanish, okay? So you don't want to be a bench warmer in church either. So that means you don't want to be a bench warmer. You have to rely upon this. You have to, you have to love the Mass and the Eucharist in Holy Communion. You have to pray and beg God that you'll always love the Mass and Holy Communion, that the greatest desire of your heart will be to go to church and to receive Holy Communion. You hear me? That should be your greatest desire, is to go to Mass and receive Communion with love. Most of you went to Mass on Sunday, right? Okay, maybe, do you remember what we celebrate? It was called Corpus Christi. So you went to Mass on Sunday, Corpus Christi. What is Corpus Christi? It is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. So, if you want to get to heaven, if you want to get to heaven, 
you have to have great love for the Eucharist. Have great love for it. Okay, listen to the words of Jesus. These were the words you heard on the Gospel from John chapter 6. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats my body and drinks my blood will have everlasting life and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus says that many times in the Gospel of John chapter 6. I am the bread of life. Whoever eats my body and drinks my blood will have everlasting life and I'll raise him up on the last day. Years ago, I was teaching confirmation. I've taught confirmation for many years. And I asked, I asked uh, my confirmation students, what would you like your last meal to be? And one, one boy said, a Big Mac. Okay? Another one said, well, I prefer Chuck E. Cheese. I prefer, you know, uh, pizza with a lot of cheese and pepperoni on it. Another one said, I like the tacos. No? Another one said, I like uh, papitas with a good milkshake. Huh? There was one in the class said, I would like my last meal to be Holy Communion. That was me. Okay? That was me. I want my last meal to be Holy Communion. How about you? Could care less about the Big Mac or the Chuck E. Cheese or the papitas, no? The tacos. Who cares? Because if my last meal is Holy Communion, I'm going to go to heaven and be with the Lord for all eternity. I hope that that's going to be your last meal. We're here to get to heaven. Let me tell you a personal story. I have a mother that's 92. In, in September, uh, my mother was very sick. And she lives on the other part of the country. In New Hampshire. Which is 100 miles north of Boston, if you know your geography. She's very sick. So I got in a plane and I flew to be with her, thinking that she's probably going to die. And I wanted to die, her to die with me present there. She was so sick that she couldn't get out of bed. So I set up an altar in her room. I'm allowed to do that in emergency. A priest can celebrate Mass in the, in the room of someone. And I set up the altar. And I, this is what I did. Because I want my mom to get to heaven. I heard her confession because I'm a priest too. I'm her son, but I'm a priest. Then I gave her the anointing of the sick. Okay? The anointing of the sick. And then I gave her the apostolic pardon. Know what that is? Plenary indulgence. Then I gave her Holy Communion. Which I thought it might be the last because she was pretty weak. Then after that, me and my older brother, who's a spine, uh, a spine surgeon, okay, an orthopedic surgeon, we prayed the rosary, and we prayed the chapel of divine mercy, and my mom said, now I'm ready to go. But she didn't go, because God wanted her to still live a little bit more. Okay? But you see what I did to my mom? I, I flew 3,000 miles. It's a long flight. I heard her confession. I gave her the anointing of the sick. The apostolic pardon means plenary indulgence, which means if you die, you go right to heaven. Then I gave her Holy Communion. Then who, 
her two oldest sons of nine, me and my older brother, he's 11 months older than me, we prayed the rosary in the chapel of divine mercy. So she was prepared. But she's still living. See what I do? I, I, I'm always thinking, how can I get people to heaven? Especially my mother, of all people. For one, for her, I wouldn't even be here. So we want to get to heaven, but also we want to bring as many people to heaven as possible. Okay? You want to get to heaven for your teenagers, and most of you are confirmed. Right? How many of you are confirmed? Hey, once you're confirmed, you're called to be a missionary. You're called to bring people to heaven. And St. James says in chapter 5, whoever brings someone back to God saves his own soul and expiates a multitude of sins. I like that. You bring someone back to the church. One of your friends at school is drifted away. Hey, come on back. You convince them to come to church, make a confession, and start to receive Holy Communion. The Bible says you save your soul and you expiate a multitude of sins, meaning that you will spend much less time in purgatory. So, love, love for the Eucharist, but also as Catholics, Christians, you want to love Mary. Love Mary very much. Have a painting or picture of Mary in your, in your room. Start your day off by praying to Mary. Wear the scapular, wear the medal. Talk to Mary, invoke Mary, entrust yourself to Mary. And Mary, Mary is the one that's going to help you to get to heaven. So, that was the talk that we gave last week. And it's the dream of John Bosco. We're in the storm. we got to stay in the ship, the church. We gotta stay with the with the Pope and his teaching. We've gotta focus on Jesus and the Eucharist. We have to look at Jesus through the eyes of Mary and making allowing that ship to arrive at the shore is symbolic of getting to heaven. And that's why we're here in this life. You're here you're here for one purpose. You're here to Know God, love God, serve God, so as to be happy with Him forever in heaven. Amen? Amen. Okay, today we're, 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 building, we're building an edifice. So we set the foundation through the vision and dream of John Bosco. Now we're going to be talking about Something that's indispensable for you to get to heaven. So today I'm going to talk briefly now about the importance of prayer. Then, after we talk briefly about prayer, we'll enter into our worksheet. Prayer is very, very important if you want to get to heaven. So I'm going to give you 
I'm going to give you a phrase that I put together. I like to write and I like to create. I like to create proverbs. Okay. So this is my claim to fame. Okay. And all of us could understand this because we we all went through the pandemic for three years. So we all went through it. I went through it, and you went through it. It was a tough time. Most of the people that died, and I'm not a nurse or a doctor, but I know it's pulmonary problems. What is pulmonary problems? Means, okay, that there was there was problems with the lungs. That was a primary cause for many people dying uh, during those three years. Okay, here's the one-liner now. What air is to your lungs, prayer is to your soul. You like that? Good one, right? I'll repeat. This is my claim to fame, okay? What what, what air is to your lungs, so prayer is to your soul. The other day, I went swimming, and I, I go a couple of times uh, a week to swim, and I try to swim for an hour nonstop, Okay? I'm not going to break any records, but I've got a lot of stamina. I swam my first mile when I was 12, so I'm, I'm a born athlete, okay? And when I was swimming, there was a guy next to me that was swimming much faster than me. I couldn't believe it, though. He swam underwater one lap, and he swam three quarters of the other lap. And that, I, it almost blew me out of the water. No? He swam almost two, and I stopped when he, when he was getting his breath. He said, hey, you know, keep up the good work. That's pretty good. I can only swim maybe a half a lap underneath the water. Maybe when I was your age, I could do a whole, I could do a whole lap when I was 15 or 16. But when that guy, when he popped his head out of the water, <gasps> I mean, he was panting. Because that was about a minute. Any of you know how to swim? Imagine swimming almost two laps, you know, almost two laps underwater. But once he popped his head out of the water, man, was that air sweet. So, what air is to your lungs, so prayer is to your soul. And that's going to be our topic. Now, on prayer, now, be, being a teacher for many, many years, I started teaching even before your parents were born. <laughs> so, being a teacher for many years, I could, I could go on and teach you. I could teach you how to pray. Non-stop. I could go on and on and on. I could teach you how to pray. All of you. And many different methods. Biblical prayer, Lectio Divina, the Rosary, Ignatian prayer, Theresian prayer. I mean, I can go on and on and on. I have a good education and a pretty good memory, too. So I can go on and on and on. So I can teach you all to pray. But listen, 
I can't give you the desire to pray. Can't, sorry. So there's a difference. I can teach you how to pray. I can inform your intellect, right? I can inform your intellect. But I can't give you the desire to pray. And on a personal note, on a personal note, one of the greatest gifts I ever received in my life is that ever since I was a child, the age of your little brother or sister, ever since I was a child, I always liked to pray. That's huge. That's huge. How many of you have ever met a seven or eight year old kid that says, you know, I really like to pray. I don't think I've met anyone in 37 years as a priest. So now I'm looking back, looking back over my life, the fact that I always like to pray, that's huge. That's huge. It's a gift that God gave to me. I didn't have to be forced to pray when I was a little child. I just like to pray. And that's probably why I'm a priest. There's only one other person that I ever heard that said, this person liked to pray. And it was about a year ago, I was talking to this person on the phone. I said, you know, ever since I was a child, I always loved to pray. And the person on the other, the other part of the phone, many, far, many miles away, said, ever since I was a little girl, I loved to pray too. And it happened to be my mom. But I don't remember anyone else saying, I really like to pray. So I can't give you the desire to pray. It's like if you like, like baseball. I, uh, being a baseball coach, I, I taught teenagers baseball back, back many years ago. I could, I could teach you how to hit a baseball. I can. Okay? But you've got to take the bat off your shoulder. You've got to swing at the ball. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, I can teach you... Uh, Normally, if you know anything about baseball, normally most, most who start to play baseball, they have what's called an uppercut. Okay, it's an uppercut, okay? Yeah. Even though you're not aware of it. So you have to hit the ball like a woodsman, cutting wood. Then you're going to be swinging level and you're going to hit a line drive. And where do, you get the, where do you get the singles when you're hitting line drives or doubles? But when you hit the pop-up or the ground ball, you're going to be out. Yeah. So I... I can teach you how to play baseball. I can. I can. But unless you take the bat off your shoulder, you're never going to hit the ball. You've got to strike out maybe, maybe 20 times, and eventually you're going to start to hit the ball, right? So I can teach you how to pray, but I can't give you the desire to pray. But guess what? I'm going to be praying in my Mass tomorrow that all of you will have the desire to pray. And God's going to hear me. Because Jesus says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. Whoever asks receives, whoever seeks finds, whoever knocks the door will be open. I really believe God's going to hear my prayer. And starting this week, you're going to want to pray without Father Broom forcing you. You're going to want to spend some time praying and talking to God. Amen? Amen. All right. So I'm going to give you a couple of definitions of prayer and then we'll go through the worksheet. Okay. Okay, better than the definition will be this. Okay, if you can look, okay, look at your worksheet now. Okay, do you see a picture there? Do you see the picture? 
Okay, and we just look at the picture now for about a minute. And I just want to explain the picture. Then we'll fill in the worksheet. Then we'll divide into groups. Okay, do any of you know who is in that picture? Okay, do any of you know what scene that is in the Bible? I'll give you a hand. If you know the message of the rosary, it's one of the messages of the rosary. What is it? Okay, that's the agony in the garden. That's the agony in the garden. Now, you see Jesus there is entering into what I consider the best model of prayer, I'd say, in the whole Bible. The whole Bible talks about prayer. But as a model of prayer, I would say that that's number one. It's a real model for prayer. Now, when Jesus is there in the garden, is he in a happy mood? Okay, what's happening there is all, all of the sins of the world, from Adam and Eve, okay, to our life until the end of the world, all the sins of the world are descending upon Jesus in that moment. It's called a meta-historical event. Way back to Adam and Eve to the last person that will ever live in the world, are descending upon Jesus like a torrential downpour of rain, descending upon him. So what's going to happen? He's crushed, almost like an olive or a grape. And, actually, he's going to be sweating blood. Did you know that? He sweats blood. Very rarely does anyone sweat blood. When the person is under great pressure then he can sweat blood. And often after that, the person will die or is paralyzed or his flesh becomes very sensitive to pain. So Jesus has all the sins of the world descending upon him. And what does he do? He's going to pray with so much fire and fervor. And he's going to say, He's going to say one prayer, but he's going to say that one prayer three times. You know what he says? He says the same thing three times. He says, Abba, or Daddy, Father, if it be possible, take this chalice away from me. And chalice means suffering. And then he says, it's a compound sentence with another clause, but not my will, but your will be done. He says that once, and then he lifts up his gaze. And how sad. His three best friends, who were Peter, James, and John, they fell asleep. That, that's kind of sad. His three best friends, they failed him. He wanted company. Don't forget that Jesus is God, but also he's man. He had a human nature. So he experienced the same gamut of emotions that we had in a much higher level. The fact that his best friends, they failed him, he felt that. 
You've, been, you've probably been betrayed by a friend now and then, and you probably betray your own friend. That hurts. When your best friend betrays you, man, that hurts. It hurt him very much. And he says, hey, wake up and pray. And then he prays again, and they fall asleep a second time. He says, wake up and pray. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. And then what happens? He prays again, and now, you look at the picture, there's an angel there, right? They did not console him, but the angel consoled Jesus. Do you know that angel? You know who that angel is? That's supposed to be you. Yes. You are called to be the angel of consolation. Every one of you are called to draw close to Jesus and to console him, to embrace him, to thank him, to love him, talk to him as your best friend, tell him how much you love him. He, he wants that from you more than a billion dollars. He wants you to hug him and love him and thank him and adore him and stay with him. And not to fall asleep. Stay awake. That's the model for prayer. Okay. Now, we live in a society... Fulton Sheen says that the history, the history of the world can be divided into three different epochs. The 13th century was the age of faith, when Thomas Aquinas and St. Anthony, today St. Anthony, lived in the 1200s. Then the 18th century is called the age of reason, rationalism. Then the 20th and the 21st century is the age of feelings. Okay? What is wokeism? What is moral relativism? What is it? It's the age of feelings. What feels good, that's, that's what I want to do. We can't give in to that. We have to follow faith and reason and not simply our feelings. And if not, we're in danger. Faith, right? Faith, God, and reason. Use your intellect. And not to simply follow our feelings. So, with respect to prayer, okay, all of us have to pray sometimes even when we don't feel like it. Okay? I repeat, okay, we have to pray. Even sometimes when we don't feel like it, we have to pray anyway. Jesus had all the sins of the humanity falling down upon him, and he prayed all the more fervently. So, if, if you can take seriously this talk, and the rest of your life take prayer seriously, and you're going to grow in your prayer life, all of you, all of you take this seriously, you're going to go to heaven. You're going to go to heaven. Absolutely. You're going to go to heaven. If you take... Take this topic seriously. Okay, starting now, I'm going to take prayer seriously. I'm going to try to grow in it. You're going to make it to heaven. You might have to go to purgatory for some time, but you're going to make it to heaven. 
That's, that's absolutely certain. All those who are condemned to the fires of hell, you know why? Because they didn't pray. They didn't pray. Every damned soul that's burning in hell now is there for one reason. That person gave up prayer. Everyone in heaven. If you're to go to, you go to heaven in an interview. Why are you here? Because I prayed well. If you go to hell, make an interview. Why are you here? Oh, I didn't pray. It's universal. So it's so important, it's so important that you pray. And I know most of you, and I've known some of your parents before you were born. Your parents, your parents are good people. Your parents, they pray a lot. Your parents pray for you. Your parents weep for you. Your parents fast for you. You got good parents. Thank God that you got good parents. You get angry at your parents because sometimes they're pushing you to pray and you get angry. Be thankful that your parents are motivating you to try to pray. Don't get angry at them. Why are they, try- Why are they trying to get you to pray? Because they love you. Yes. And you know that. Because they love you. They love you and they want you to love God in this life so that you're with God forever in heaven. Thomas Aquinas defines love as willing the good of the other. What is the greatest good of the other? The salvation of your soul. Thomas Aquinas. Love is willing the good of the other. The the greatest good, the greatest good is to will that 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 person go to heaven. Amen? Okay, so we set the the foundation for the topic today. Now we're going to grab onto our worksheet. We'll go through this at a pretty good pace. We'll fill it in, then we'll be able to break into our groups. And I just... (laughs) I pray, I, I pray for all of you that, that you'll, you'll want to pray. I'm not going to say you have to make a holy hour and spend an hour and a half or two hours in prayer like your mom or your dad, but at least want to pray on a daily basis and to be faithful to your prayer period and want to pray. So let's move on. It has been said that what air is for the lungs, so is prayer for the soul. During the pandemic, lasted a good three years, the majority of those who died came as a result of the failure of the lungs, the inability to inhale or exhale air. Even the machines could not supply sufficient oxygen for these dying lungs. Okay, spiritual asphyxiation. Any of you know what asphyxiation means? That's a big word. Asphyxiation means suffocation. Okay? So spiritual asphyxiation or suffocation. How many so-called followers of Christ suffer from a malady that is a thousand times worse? The spiritual suffocation due to a lack of inhaling and exhaling 
spiritual air through the practice of prayer. You understand that? Got the analogy? Okay. Only in emergency. How many people have recourse to prayer as a last resource? They see prayer as if they were flying on a jet plane and the motors went off and only the parachute can save. How many view prayer as if they were on a sinking ship, like the Titanic, and seek the closest and safest life jacket or lifeboat to avoid sinking and drowning in the depths of the sea? How many people are like those locked in a burning house, crying out, Fire! so as to be saved from the raging and the consuming flames. How many of us cry out help at night when we hear someone or something that seems to be prying his way into our bedroom at night? There was a common saying among the soldiers in the Second World War. When the bombs are falling from the skies, the hand grenades were shattering, and the rifles and the guns were firing, there are no atheists in foxholes. My dad used to say that my dad was in the Second World War. No, there are no atheists in foxholes. When you have those bombs falling upon you, if you're not a believer, you become a believer in that moment. <laughs> Prayer. Friendship with Jesus. It's not simply a last resort. We who are truly friends of Jesus, should not simply view prayer as a life jacket, a parachute, a last resort. Rather, we should see prayer as the essential key to open the door to friendship with Jesus. For that reason, St. Teresa of Avila basically described prayer as two friends sitting down a long time together in a friendly dialogue. In our desire to become saints and true friends with Jesus, let us try to plumb the depths of prayer. So the bolts and nuts for the practice of prayer. Number one, what is prayer? First definition. Okay, write down Saint John Damascene. St. John Damascene was quoted in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. St. John Damascene defines prayer as this. It's lifting up lifting up the mind and the heart to God. I love that definition. St. John Damascene. John Damascene says prayer is the Lifting, lifting up of the mind and the heart to God. So you lift up your mind and your heart to God, you're already praying. Another definition. This is a definition of a priest that was here several years and he passed away about two and a half years ago. Father Greg Staub. He gives this definition. Number two, prayer is listening to God. Prayer is 
speaking to God and prayer is loving God. Prayer is listening to God. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is loving God. Great definition. Okay. Number three. Okay, you can put you can put there Teresa of Avila. She is the great master of prayer. Teresa of Avila. He says, prayer is spending time alone with a friend I know loves me. Man, I love that. Don't you? Isn't that a beautiful definition? Teresa of Avila. Prayer is spending time alone with a friend that I know loves me. Wow. That is the greatest teacher of prayer in the Catholic Church. Her name is Saint Teresa of Avila. Spending time alone with a friend that I know loves you. And you young people, Jesus is the friend that loves you very much. He does. Jesus is your best friend. He loves you very, very much. And you want to see the proof? Look at the cross. He shed every drop of his precious blood for you because he loves you so much. He would do that a million times. How much you are really loved by Christ. Okay, importance of prayer. I'm going to give you now one of my favorite quotes from St. Augustine. And if you know Latin, it would be even much better. But the, the rhyme, the rhyme even in English is pretty good. Are you ready? Okay. He says, he who prays well, lives well. He who lives well, dies well. He who dies well, all is well. Don't you love it? <laughs> I love it. I'll say it again. He who, he who prays well, lives well. He who lives well, dies well. If you die well, all is well. So what is Augustine saying? If you learn how to pray well, you're going to heaven. That's what he's saying. You prays well, lives well, lives well, dies well, dies well, all is well. Augustine is great. The greatest writers in the world is St. Augustine. Get to know him. <laughs> okay, next. Okay, where can we pray? Okay, you okay, you 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 can pray anywhere. Some of you have gone through catechism with me in Spanish and you one of the things they taught you is donde está Dios en el cielo, la tierra en todas las partes. <laughs> Okay, some of you know Spanish, no? Donde está Dios? En el cielo, la tierra, todas las partes. Where is God? God is in the heaven and earth and he's in all places. So no matter where we go, no matter where we go, God is there. 
And if you've ever read the Psalms, if you ascend to the highest mountains, God is present. If you plumb the depths of the sea, God is present there. Even in the darkest moment of night, God is present as if the sun is beaming at midday. Beautiful poetry, huh? That's mystical poetry for the Psalms. So go to the heights, God's there. Go to the depths, God is there. Even in the darkest moments of night, it's like the sun beaming down in midday. Ah, Psalm 139. <laughs> Beautiful, isn't it? Okay, so you can pray anywhere. Okay, is, but is there a special pray, place for prayer? And yes, there is. Where is a special pr- place for prayer? You know, you're Catholics, right? That would be, okay, in front of the Blessed Sacrament. So in front of the Blessed Sacrament, that's, it's called, it's called the real presence. Corpus Christi. It's the real presence. There in that tabernacle door, behind the tabernacle door, Jesus is truly present. So when you have an opportunity, go into the church when the doors are open and even make a short visit to Jesus Christ. I think the first poem I learned, my mom taught me when I was six years old. It's short. And it was this. Whenever I see a church, I stop to make a visit so that when I die, the Lord will not say, who is it? Amen? (laughs) Whenever I see a church, I stop to make a visit so when I die, the Lord will not say, who is it? (laughs) So we want to get in the habit of of visiting the Lord so that when you die, I don't recognize you. Who are you? I've never seen you before. You never came to visit me. Who are you? I, I I don't recognize you. Rather, ah, you come to visit me so much, welcome home. You visit me sometimes, many times, now heaven is your home. That's our desire. Okay, next. When can we pray? Okay, where can you pray? Anytime. When can you pray? Any moment of the day you can pray. I've often thought about how humble God is. When, whenever you want to talk to God, He's ready to listen to you. Any moment of the day. How humble God is. And God can hear 8 billion people at the same time as if He can. 8 billion people can talk to God and it's as if one person were talking to God. It's not possible for us. So all people can be talking to God at the same time and he's paying undivided attention to each one. Okay, so next is when did Jesus pray? You see in parentheses Mark chapter 1 there's a chapter where Jesus is seen a typical day in the life of Jesus. Mark 1 says that Jesus got up he got up way before dawn And he was absorbed in prayer. What is way before dawn? Not before dawn, but way before dawn. Well, morning, yes. But hey, probably three o'clock. And he was absorbed in prayer. 
Not to say that you have to get up at 3 o'clock in your vacation time, but it's not a bad idea, not a bad idea to start off your day. What I do, I, I'm, I'm a 5.15 person. I get 5.15 every morning. That's when I get up, okay? And I spend an hour and a half praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament in our house there. That's for me. Every morning, 5.15 to quarter to 7. That's me. An hour and a half. And I just love to start off the day giving the Lord a good hour and a half. Then I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a gangbuster. Okay? I'm a gangbuster. Once I've had this relationship with, with God, you're going to see mountains moving. <laughs> yeah, you're going to see mountains moving. But if I don't do that, keep away from me. I'm going to be in a bad mood. You better keep away from me. If I don't, I don't do my, my prayer time with the Lord. I do my prayer time, I'm a gangbuster. Huh? Those mountains are going to move. Yeah. Okay, Bible and prayer. Okay, what would be the special book of the, in, the, in the Bible of prayer? Okay, you don't know, I'll tell you. It's called the Psalms. P-S-A-L-M-S. The Psalms. The Psalms is the, is the prayer book of the Bible. So, it, if you wanted to learn to pray by yourself... You pray a psalm every night before you go to bed. And after doing that, night after night, you're going to be learning to pray with the Word of God Himself. We as priests and nuns, we pray the 150 psalms every month in what is called the Liturgy of the Hours. Once we become a deacon, we make two promises. Celibacy and praying the Liturgy of the Hours, the day that we are ordained as deacons. Those two promises. Okay, next. Posture and prayer. You can pray kneeling or sitting or standing. Whatever way, whatever way facilitates prayer best. You don't want to be so comfortable that you fall asleep or too uncomfortable that you're in pain the whole time, okay? You want, you want to avoid the two extremes. If you're too comfortable on the sofa, you fall asleep, okay? That can happen, right? So if you're kneeling on nails, okay, uh, you're, you're going to be in so much pain, you're only going to be thinking about the pain. So you should have a posture that's going to help you to pray, to, you, to be united with Christ. Okay, an acronym. So I put together an acronym which would be the five M's of prayer. And what are they? Okay, this is a good way a good way to be aware of five different modes or times of prayer. Okay, number one be morning. Okay, write down next to morning. Start, okay, write down morning offering. Morning offering. Start your day by offering yourself to Jesus through Mary. Okay? First prayer that I say every morning, I get up and I kiss my scapular because I wear my scapular and many of you have your scapular. Hopefully you'll be wearing your scapular. First prayer that I say every morning is, O Señora mía, O Madre mía, yo me ofrezco a ti. 
and prepare me feel the all effect that they can saga necessary me soakers me so is me lingua me corazon and in the palavator me ser jacques a todo tuyo mari bondad guard me defend me como cosa possession tuya amen i don't know it in english or say it in spanish okay so my first prayer i say is the act of consecration to mary that i learned many years ago in argentina then i i kiss my scapula and i bless my forehead my eyes my ears my lips my tongue two times because they talk a lot and then my ears okay then my heart so i start off my day by giving myself to jesus through mary okay next is meals do your parents do they pray with you before you have meals or is that a lost art none of you we do okay some of you do if your parents do not do it tell them the father broom says you have to you have to do that then okay yeah a short prayer bless us o lord these are guests which we are about to see from the body through christ our lord amen bendice señor los alamedes que vamos a tomar bendice aquellos que lo han preparado pan que no que no que tiene por cristo nuestro señor longer in spanish right well, say what say whatever language you want but a short prayer before you're eating you invite jesus to sit down to eat with you isn't it isn't that good company So when you say that prayer, you're asking God to sit down at the table with you. There'll be many less brawls at the table, okay, or quarrels at the table when you invite Jesus to be there with you. So make sure that you you pray before you eat. You don't want to sit down like a pagan, okay? Hey, you're Catholics, you're not pagans. No, we don't be pagan Catholics. We've been Catholics that are living out our faith, giving thanks to God. And right now there are little children in the world dying of hunger. Did you know that? Well, now you know it. Right now in the world there are little children dying of hunger. So always be thankful that you're able to sit down and have a meal and be nourished thanks to God, thanks to your parents and thanks to this country that provides that for us. Next, meditation. You've heard the word meditation. Meditation is this. slowly reading the word of god slowly reading the word of god so you might write a three a, a three word um method read think apply okay got that read think apply read think apply read read it think about what does it mean and how can i put this into practice in my life that's pretty simple read think apply okay finally you've got well two more mass okay if you write down write down mass try to go to mass and communion as often as possible try to go to mass and communion as often as possible and below that you can write down this the greatest action i can do in life is to receive communion with love nothing nothing greater in the world and to receive communion with love never forget that 
of all the things you can do in this world, going and receiving communion with love by far is the greatest thing in the whole world. And if you do that, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. Because those who love God in this life will love Him forever in heaven. So Holy Communion is a love affair with Christ. And last, Mary. Pray to Mary. Think about Mary. Love Mary. Imitate Mary. Give your whole self to Mary. So you're going to have just a little bit of homework aside from reading the chapter. You turn the page. You're going to fill that in. How? What does Jesus teach us in the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane? What does Jesus teach us in prayer? So let's say Hail Mary. Let's say Hail Mary. Ask Mary to help us to want to pray because he who prays well, lives well, he who dies well, all is well. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, how are you doing? So we're gonna we're gonna uh, break into uh, sharing groups.